Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 73, The Little Big Show. Hey everybody, you probably weren't expecting an episode quite so soon, were you? It's not quite two weeks yet. This is a special episode brought to you thanks to listener Julius Besser. He requested I do an interview with Michael Cole, owner of Gameling Games, and Scott Elms, designer of Tiny Epic Galaxies. Last episode I said I would like to do more interviews. If you had any requests, please contact me. He contacted me even though he hadn't heard it yet. It was a coincidence. Um, Anyway... Uh, thanks to Julius, I did get in touch with Michael, and so this is an interview with the two of them, as well as a look at the game Tiny Epic Galaxies. Still, this is a normal show otherwise, so I got news for you. The first item up, there is a game Exodus. On, on Kickstarter, there's an e- expansion for the game Exodus, Exodus Proxima Centauri, and the expansion is called Exodus Edge of Extinction. And the expansion has solo rules, but it's only for Kickstarter backers. Um, I don't know, it may end up potentially or possibly being available otherwise, but I guess the printed rules will only be available for the backers at, at the very least. So if you have Exodus Proxima Centauri already, you may want to check this out for the expansion or if, or if you th- find the game interesting. Next item up, Mr. B Games plans on releasing a Glenn Drover solo game called War Quest. Glenn Drover is the designer of games like Edge of Empires 3, Age of Mythology, Attack. So what I read is, I believe, I don't remember where I got this from, probably from BGG News. I think this is going to be on Kickstarter, but maybe not, I'm not sure. I guess that's not much news, is it really? Um, Next item, Rory Story Cubes, the, the mini packs that they have, which was Enchanted, Prehistoria, and Clues are now available in the U.S., Published by Game Right Games. I saw them the other day at the at Barnes and Noble. These are, are packs of three dice each. They retailed uh, for three ninety five, and the the dice are themed, so you can mix them in with your base set or whatever whatever sets to give it a little bit more f- flavor of a certain type. The packaging is a little bit different than the one originally available. It's sort of like a cigarette box cut in half, so it's not quite as wide. But you know how the top opens up in those. That's what it's like. Now, I was looking at Rory's Story Cube's website, and they actually have three other mini-packs available in the UK. They, they will ship worldwide, but the Aimright hasn't picked it up for the US yet. I contacted them to find out when it might be available, but I haven't heard anything yet. Um, these three are called Intergalactic, Score, and Medic. The Rory Story Cubes will ship anywhere to the world. Um, if you want to get all three in the US, I think it was something like $25 US for the items. The last item I have, Stephen Conway of the Spiel podcast. He posted a video of Airborne Commander. It's a solo deck building game by Aaron Loster. It'll be on Kickstarter in March. Published by Stratamax Games. Okay, that's it. There wasn't a whole lot of news, so let's jump on in onto the interview. Which I should say, the quality isn't that great again. I have so much trouble with audio quality, I can't help it. Um, the stuff just befuddles me. I will try and clean it up, hopefully it'll be better, but at this point I haven't listened to it or tried that yet, so we'll see. Uh, today I'm talking to uh, Michael Cole and Scott Elms. Michael Cole is the owner of Gameland Games, and Scott is the designer of Tiny Epic 
Galaxies and the other Tiny Epic games. And so I brought you guys on the show to, to talk about the game, Tiny Epic Galaxies. Yeah, thank you very much, Albert. Appreciate the opportunity of being on here. And uh, I know a lot of solo gamers uh, listen to you. And, and so, you know, I think it's a great chance for Scott and I to talk with some of them. Yeah, thanks, Albert. This is very neat to come on. Uh, I'm pretty new to solo gaming myself, so this is a pretty fun opportunity. Awesome. Uh, by the way, there's a, the feedback was there, or the noise. It sounded like a, like a motorcycle or something going through. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> It sounds like a motorcycle and ghosts. <laughs> Are you riding as we speak, maybe? Uh, I, <laughs> with, with his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Mom, no hands. <laughs> so, so can you give me? Why don't you guys give me a brief description of the game? Is this? A, is it a four X game? Well, so I'll just jump in real quick. No, it's not a four X game. Um, it uh, has some 4X elements to it, though, definitely. Um, but it's it's much uh, more uh, a comboing game, taking uh, certain actions and being able to stream them together. It's a dice-driven game uh, with a lot of awesome ways to be able to manipulate the results of the dice to, to kind of put together these huge combos. Uh, it's all about kind of drafting abilities to your galaxy. So, so in, in Tiny Epic Galaxies... Uh, you're going to be competing with other players to to build up and kind of upgrade this galactic empire that you have. But to do that, you have to acquire these planets and, and you have to colonize these other planets that are in other galaxies uh, that you're competing for with the other players. These planets possess uh, unique abilities that you can, when you do colonize that planet, you pull it over into your galaxy and you acquire that ability. So you start to build uh, for yourself uh, this really nice ladder of the different abilities that you can pick and choose from when you activate the dice in certain ways. And, and so that's really kind of the, the gist of it, which is a bit different than 4X, uh, though, you know, you still do get some of the, you know, exploration, definitely some of the exploitation elements. Okay. Um, yeah, I did notice that you're saying there's, there's a lot of combos in there. It's true. And one of the parts that when I, when I played a couple times on, the part I'm having the most trouble grasping is taking advantage of playing combos on my opponent's turn by spending that energy. Yeah, Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about the following, which is what Albert was referencing. Yeah, so uh, one of the neat things that we did with the game was uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies. We have the option of doing stuff on other turns as well. Uh, so if you have a resource called Culture, uh, you could actually spend it to copy what other people are doing. And what this allows you to do is people are executing their own combos you can actually fulfill your own or set yourself up really nicely for the next turn. Um, for example, one of the real nice things to do on another person's turn is uh, whenever you upgrade your galaxy, uh, you don't get the benefits of doing so right away. But if you do that on an off turn on someone else's turn, you start your next turn with all those benefits. So it's really making good use of your time, and it uh, adds a nice little layer to the strategy whenever you do it. Yeah, the, the following is probably the best part of the game, and there's a lot of really good elements in this game, so that's saying a lot. But that keeps all the players engaged. Uh, it makes it to where pretty much every turn is your turn. There's, if So long as you are maintaining this particular resource, uh, then you're always in, you're always huddled over the active player. What is he rolling? Do I need to take this action? Um, maybe I need to hold off and maybe sit the culture I have. 
for a very particular action that I need. Uh, and it's really neat. So it keeps everybody involved the whole time through. All right, sounds really cool. The, um, so, so let's talk a little more about specifically the solo game, which is why I brought you guys on here. Um, so recently you had that poll in BGG to see if you're going to have a, first, uh, a solitaire game or a fifth player uh, option first. And and it was a really close race. I mean, I think it finished with like a difference of three or six votes, which is just insane. Um, were you expecting that that sort of uh, interest in solitaire play at all? Uh, well, I personally didn't. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, yeah, I, I expected some, uh, but for it to be 50-50 the entire way, uh, I was shocked, and it really opened my eyes, really, how many solo gamers there are out there. Well, you know, and to put it into perspective, the difference there was four votes, and it was from a pool of over 3,000 votes. So um, that's a really, really close race, just to emphasize that. Uh, and that was surprising. I had kind of gone into that expecting uh, the fifth player to to really win by a landslide. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised by the uh, solo crowd that, that showed up and said, hey, look, there are solo gamers. Solo gaming is cool. Uh, and is fun, and we definitely stand by that. And that was really neat to see. Yeah, I, I don't think I expected it either, to be honest. Um, nowhere near that close, anyway. But in the end, I mean, you've got so many backers, it doesn't even matter at this point. Everything matters. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the, um, gosh, that, that's a good point. Uh, how, how did the solo rules come about? Is that your computer fan, maybe? Uh, or a CD or something? It could be. I mean, I don't have a CD drive in it, but... <laughs> yeah, it's that, that feedback. So Scott's on a laptop, just uh, to, to let the listeners know. And then, so the, the, the laptop's just having a little bit of a feedback malfunction, so please excuse that. But the information, yeah, the information beyond the noise is really good information, so <laughs> to stick around and, and listen to it. <laughs> So, so Scott, sorry about that. How did the uh, the solo rules come about? Uh, so I developed a solo game for my uh, game Harbor, which came out last year. And around that same time, I also came out Tiny Defenders, uh, which was a cooperative game, so a very easily adaptable adaptable solo game. Uh, so having a solo version for both of those, we found that a lot of backers really liked it. So as we were developing Tiny Epic Galaxies, I tried my hand at it. I I wanted to at least give it a shot, and I, I found something that was starting to work. Uh, going into the campaign, we didn't have a perfect working version, but we had something that could lead to a perfect working version. Uh, so at the beginning of the campaign, that's really whenever Mike and I kind of started to talk about whether we wanted to put in this solo game or not, because we were confident we can do it. Uh, but, wow, I mean, the feedback we got from our backers how much they wanted. I mean, that really put, put the testing and development into overdrive. But so we, we had something in mind previous to the campaign, but yeah, it got uh, it got put on the front burner pretty quickly whenever our campaign started. <laughs> yeah, well, we followed the passion. You know, we saw the the passion in solo gamers. You know, in that poll, and that got us excited. And it kind of lit the fire under our feet. And we're like, heck yeah, let's, you know, this is, people really like this. this is really a viable 
thing and, and we knew we had already liked the direction that we had started with solo so let's flesh it out and and now we've got something that's that's pretty dang awesome so so that uh that solo ai it sort of mimics an opponent not necessarily what the opponent's going to do but the, the the way the opponent's going to affect you i guess um it is do you think this could be used in a multiplayer game like if i had two friends over and i wanted a three player game do you think that would work or not Quite. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be designed so you could actually put it in a two-player game, uh, or more if you wanted to. Uh, the and it does function like another opponent. Uh, the only difference is he's certainly not as smart, and uh, he's a lot stronger in his action because he can't make intelligent decisions. Mm-hmm. Yes, what he makes, what he what he lacks in wits, he makes up for in strength and ability. Uh, <laughs> but the implementation of the solo element into the game is very straightforward. And it's very easy uh, for the solo player to kind of run uh, the AI. And so implementing it into a multiplayer game is going to be just straightforward. It's really not, um, there's really nothing special about it. It's just, it's, it's just like playing solo just with other people. and, And it's really that easy. And one of the things Mike kind of touched on is the AI does run very smoothly. And one of the design goals I had was I didn't want you to have to spend more time on the AI's turn than you would on your own time. That wasn't fun because then you're just kind of running the AI and sometimes you get a turn. So I wanted to make sure he ran nice and smooth. Yeah, I tried the, the rules that, that you gave me and the, the first time went really slow because taking me forward to play, I tried it again this afternoon and it just flew by. It was such a quick game. Um, so, so yeah, that was neat to see. Well, the, uh, well, can you, you said there's multiple AIs, right? What's the difference between the AIs? Uh, it's mostly difficulty, uh, where we have a beginner AI and it goes all the way up to an epic level AI. Uh, so the beginner one's nice, uh, if almost anyone will be able to beat it, but it's a nice way just to learn the game if that's what you're looking for in solo play. But the next AIs up will offer a significant challenge for you, and certainly beating the epic AI would be uh, it should make your week because it is not easy <laughs> to put it. True that. Um, hashtag, hashtag I beat epic AI in, in <laughs> too long of a hashtag. Be micro badge in. Yeah, for real. Um, and uh, with um. Will the solo game work with the mini expansions that you've got? So okay, so talking about the su- uh, satellites and super weapons, they're not really yes. implemented into the solo play, though it wouldn't be complicated to implement the satellites. Um, there really wouldn't be so much of a place for the super weapons as those involved. Uh, they involve just you know more direct decision making in order for them to play their role. And since the solo AI doesn't really make any decisions. Um, that element is, is really not as, uh, it just doesn't really have its place in solo. Um, and like I, get, like I said, the satellites are simple enough that you can implement them yourself really just based off of the, the rules of the satellites. Uh, but because the mini expansion is part of a semi-exclusive uh, Kickstarter package, you know, kind of a promo pack, we're not really going to uh, touch, touch on it in the base game rules um, because not every gamer is going to have access to that content. Yeah, that makes sense. 
you know, that's frustrating. I've gotten games before where I read the rules and it says, oh, and you could do this and this and this if you have the expansion, but you can't get it. I mean, we could put it in the expansion <laughs> rules, but yep. again, at the same time, it's just really not worth uh, the extra increase in the length of the rule book for that. And, and just, it's simple enough if you want to if you want to introduce the satellites into solo play. Once you understand how the satellites function, you'll have no problem just doing it if that's what you want to do. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and Scott, you've designed a, a couple other tiny epic games, right? Uh, I haven't played any of them yet, but uh. The, the themes are very different, right? How does it compare to, to this game? Uh, so each Tiny Epic Games uh, has completely different mechanics. Uh, the first two that we did, Tiny Epic Kingdoms, Tiny Epic Defenders, were both set in the same fantasy world. Uh, Tiny Epic Kingdoms is a 4X game, uh, so it takes that big box feel of a normal 4X game into a small box. Uh, basically zero luck in the game, uh, very has some direct confrontation, you're collecting resources, building your empire, uh, going to war, uh, upgrading your own personal tech tree that each person has their own individual tech tree that they have. Uh, Tiny Epic Defenders takes place thematically afterwards, and this time everyone's working together. Uh, in Tiny Epic Kingdoms, someone eventually won, and now the kingdoms are at peace again. And so, yeah, Tiny Epic Defenders is a cooperative game. Everyone's working against to beat the epic foe in his giant army. Uh, and it's a little bit of a tower defense feel. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty neat addition uh, to the series. And afterwards, we decided that we knew we wanted to make more tiny epic games. Uh, and we want every tiny epic game to have a completely new set of mechanics. Uh, but we also knew we wanted to do new themes. And going in the space just kind of seemed like the next logical step. Uh, there wasn't really too much debate about it. We kind of just looked at each other and said, hey, let's do a sci-fi game. And that's what we did. <laughs> yep. Oh, nice. So so it sounds like, based on what you said, it sounds to me like this one is probably more luck-based than the other two. The other more deep and strategic. Is that true? Uh, both Tiny Epic Defenders and uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies have a luck element in it. Uh, Tiny Epic Defenders has a turn deck uh, where... At the beginning of every round, you have the deck cards, and you draw a card. It's rather going to have a hero take an action or a monster take an action. And you kind of go through this deck, and then at the end of the round, you add more monsters to the deck. So it gets more intense every single round. And then in Tiny Epic Galaxies, you do have the dice mechanic that does add a little bit of luck. But in both games, there's so many ways to to mitigate the luck that it's uh, certainly not a luck-dependent game. It's not a push-your-luck game. Uh, Right. Yeah, yeah it's still it's very, a, yeah, very Euro sensibilities still. Yeah. Whatever dice I roll, i got to figure out, you know, what action do I want to take with, with what I have now? And how do I use this to my best advantage? And that's that's definitely the feeling. It's not like, oh, great, I rolled a three ones again. What am I going to do? No, it introduces all of the all of the good things about luck. You know, luck brings excitement. It gets people, you know, just really brings all the good luck. It's really like somebody may have good luck and somebody may have better luck, but because of the mitigating options, there's really no bad luck. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so you mentioned... Uh, well, actually, I'm going to skip that. The uh, Okay, so I really like the art for this game. The the box, the art side of the box, the art on the outside of the box is kind of comical with a big puffy spaceship and the, the giant's... Uh, 
city on the planet and all that. And then the art inside, it's very, um, I don't know, it's more, it's different. It's more serious looking, I guess. So who did the, all this art? So Bill Bricker is the illustrator for the game, and Ben Shulman is the graphic designer for the game. Uh, and really, a nod goes out to, to both of them uh, equally in, in, you know, uh, the planets and the, the feel of that in the, the ship um, all comes from Bill, which is has just been wonderfully received. Uh, and then Ben Shulman brought the graphic design elements, and he really captured... Um, just a, and he really completed just this great sci-fi feel to the game um, that has elements of retro, but has kind of elements of a, of a cutting edge or, or new age feel, um, and just did it so nice. And so the art, like you said, people have just been all over the art for this game, and, and credit goes out to both of those guys for that. Okay, yeah, uh, what I've, I've been playing with a print-and-play version you have, which is, it looks very homemade, and then when I look at that art, I say, boy, I can't wait to play with that. That looks, that looks like it's more fun. It's amazing what an effect art can have on a game. It really is. Oh, yeah. My, uh, my print-and-play versions are not very pretty. Uh, I'll admit that. Okay. So you, you made those planets? Because they're fun-looking, uh, too. I like them. My, my daughter saw them. She loved them. Oh, that's uh, some uh, commercial-free clip art uh, that I was able to find online that we were able to use for the prototype. Ah, okay. So yeah, I I didn't draw any of them. <laughs> I don't I don't imagine <laughs> I don't picture Scott sitting back drawing those planets though. That would be fun to watch. <laughs> oh, it would look so bad. Uh, He's you, too busy cranking out great ideas to be drawing things. You would only see the sketches I have in my notebook whenever I start to lay things out. You would be appalled. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to make those a Kickstarter reward then. <laughs> Yeah, People right. would unback the game. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, so do you have any plans for any other expansions for this game after the Kickstarter? Just by default, yes, in the sense that part of the uh, methodology that goes into creating the Tiny Epic Games uh, leaves itself open for expansions. And so I think that going into Tiny Epic Games, uh, our gamers and our, our customers and backers, can expect to see that, you know, in the future we intend to explore expanding these little games. Well, okay. That's nice to know. Expansions are always fun. I'm yeah. a sucker for them. Um, okay, so how much bigger is the... Well, these are questions I got from other people. I, I posted on the One Player Guild. Yeah, I mentioned I was going to talk to you guys. If anybody had any questions I want to ask. So I've got three or four here. Okay, yeah, no, I'd love to, to answer some direct questions from other BGG users and gamers. Well, was a smart guy. I'd actually give credit to who asked the questions, but I didn't write that down. Um, so how deep are the solo rules and the play going to be? Were they made just for the stretch core, or did, they, did you uh, have these already tested and completed and tested a long time ago? So the mechanics were developed before we even went up on Kickstarter. Uh, they weren't developed yet. Uh, and really, we only had one AI we were looking with, and we weren't really playing with the difficulty. But the basic, uh, I guess, overall mechanics of the uh, the solo game were there. And as far as how deep it is, it's really just as deep as playing the base game. Uh, it's just like playing against another opponent. You have to worry about them uh, stealing planets out from under you, taking what you're looking for. And uh, if you don't pay attention, they will beat you. 
<laughs> so, yeah, it's just as much of the challenge as playing the base game. Hmm. All right, yeah, I um, I just forgot what I was gonna say. Right. <laughs> well, that's all right. We got some other questions, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so how much bigger are the tiny epic themes going to get? And related to that, a second question was, how much of the tiny, at least I think it's the same question, how much of the tiny epic thread will they use as ideas for future games? Wait, so what was the second part? How much of the... So how much bigger are the tiny epic themes going to get, and how much of that thread that you had on BGG about the tiny epic ideas, tiny epic dancing and that sort of stuff? Okay, so then just to kind of fill in your listeners a little bit, the thread that, that you're referring to um, was a kind of an open uh, open sandbox of create your own tiny epic name. I mean, it was just, you know, fan created. It's not something official that we've done. Uh, it's not something that, that we're, you know, driving necessarily, but it's exciting to look at and, and we definitely read and we monitor all of this, but people put in different, you know, tiny epic this, tiny epic that, whatever, right? And so... Um, in terms of how much inspiration we'll draw from that, that's, you know, that's really, that's really, it's really not even, uh, it just depends. It's just going to be organic. If something pops up and, you know, but Scott and I have, shoot, man, we've got a lot of, of tiny epic things that, that we have talked about that span across so many genres and themes that a lot of this is, is repeat. Um, and it's fun to see people come up and, and say something and we're kind of like, oh, you know, we've kind of thought something like that already, you know, but, but who knows where we're going to go next. It's, it's an exciting thing, but we're certainly not spilling any beans. Okay. So, so you're not going to say if you already got tiny epic dancing in the works or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can, I can say we do not for that, okay. one, for that one in particular. <laughs> uh, not until at least, let's say 2024. Let's, okay. That one well, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting patiently. Now, the first part of that question was how much bigger are the Tiny Epic uh, games going to get? The so, themes. How much bigger are the themes going to get? Yes. So I think I think it's the same sort of question. Do, do you have lots of plans for the future? And you know, can you tell us what they are? I think that's really what they're implying. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so then we pretty much already answered that. So, but if if the question was how much bigger are they gonna get, uh, I'll tell you, we're okay with with that box swelling a little <laughs> bit, but it's all gonna fit in that box, and that fits right in your pocket. And so, what exactly is the the unifying thing in the tiny epic games? Is it, is it the box size, or, or what is it? it? It's the overall concept of having a big play experience in that small box. Uh, so it's basically we want you to get that experience of a meaty 60 to 90 minute game in a half hour small box, something you could easily take on the road. And we don't, I mean, we want it to be filling. I mean, it, it's, we don't make filler games. They're, they're meaty, good games. <laughs> so that's kind of what we're going for for Tiny Epic. Exactly. Tiny Epic is there to, to fill uh, what is currently a, a void that that we're, you know, hoping to, to fill in gaming where, you know, I've noticed, a, a, you know, recognize kind of a trend with Kickstarter itself and how there's a refining process in Kickstarter where backers are being a bit more selective uh, for what they're going to put their money into. And rightfully so. And that's the natural path of you know, capitalism. And, and it's, you know, the buyer's remorse of, of you know, putting a, a lot of money, $100, you know, into a board game 
and then taking it to your game day and everybody loving it, right? And you're like, oh, this is great. This was totally worth it. The game went over well. But then you bring it back the next week and everybody else has two or three brand new games that they just got off of Kickstarter and they want to play those games. And then, you know, you're like, well, maybe I can get this awesome game back out, you know, next time. And you try again and there's 10 new games. And so that, that's becoming the trend in, in this business where uh, new games are coming out so fast that people don't have a lot of time to play this, the same game over and over and over, especially if it's a long game. And so, you know, and when you put a lot of money into it, it can get really frustrating when you just see that game sitting on your shelf just collecting dust. And you're like, you know, I don't want to put $100 into games anymore that are just going to collect dust. And so through that process, we found that the Tiny Epic Games really hit that perfect spot where they, they're affordable. They're, they're within that $20 price range, which makes, uh, which really cuts back on the buyer's remorse. Even if you only play the game once, 20 bucks is like taking somebody to a movie one time, you know? And so, so you feel all right. Um, but the game plays quick. And so you're able to, to get it to the table more than one time. But then you still want that meaty experience that these bigger games give you. Um, and, but they're just not existing in, in a lot of the smaller, under $20 price point games until the Tiny Epic series. And so now you can get that meaty gaming experience in, in just right around that 20 bucks and right around that 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, and, and people are loving it. And as you can see with the Kickstarters, people are really appreciating uh, this intro into, into the gaming hobby. Okay, got it. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons, too, when, I, when I'm buying a game, I, I check right away to see if it supports solitaire play. It's a good chance I'm not going to get to play it in the group again, but if I'm in the mood to play it at home, I sure can. Heck yeah. And uh, that, that your motorcycle is so distracting, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back on the headset, so I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. I finally got it working. I think I might be able to get some of that noise out. Later on, when I clean up the audio, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, so tell me about you guys. How long have you guys been gaming? Uh, all our, uh, me, all my life. Uh, I, I'm a child of the '80s, so I grew up uh, gaming, whether it be console gaming or computer gaming or board gaming. Um, ever since I was a baby. <laughs> Uh, it's the same with me too. I mean, it was it was board games, it was video games, computer games, like all all sorts of gaming from basically as young as I was able to handle them. Yeah. So it's gaming's always been a big part of my life. Okay, what type of games do you guys like? Who do you play these days? Well, let's see, I don't get to play very many. Uh, well, certainly not very many computer games at all. But uh, I do play a lot of games, uh, some simple app games on my, say my tablet or something like that, but board game wise a lot of Euro games, uh, obviously a lot of prototypes uh, been really enjoying uh, a couple games that came out recently, like Scoville that's been super fun and uh, Dice Hate Me Games just came out with a line of rabbit games with a bunch of small box card games, it's been super fun but I, I really play a little bit of everything yeah, me too. Um, my answer is just so simple, and and you know, it's just I like games that are fun, and I like games that are stimulating. And so, if I feel like I can understand the system, concept, uh, you know, uh, or conceptualize a strategy, and then execute 
uh, said strategy. It doesn't matter if I win or lose. If I can do those things, you've got me. I, that I'm, I'm interested. I, I can have a fun time with that. Um, and so, in that, you know, a lot of the games coming out these days, that's uh, you're seeing that. So there's just so many good games right now that it's it's neat. It's a really neat thing to see happening in the board game business, uh, particularly through the introduction of indie publishers and indie gamers uh, or designers coming through Kickstarter and into uh, the hobby space and bringing really intriguing games that are really thoughtful um, and that are just really well put together. Uh, that's great. We're in, we're in such a golden age for board gaming right now. No, that's right. I really hadn't thought of it that way. The, I, I always hear people complain about Kickstarter because you get all these small publishers and these one-time things. But I really hadn't thought about that these are really indie publishers compared to, the relatively speaking, the big guys, right? Yeah. That, that have been around for a while. And, yeah, a lot of those games do tend to, to seem the same over and over. And every year you see it comes out of this and you're like, eh, well, that, that's okay. It's same as last year. <laughs> yeah, it's similar to other industries. You, you, yeah. you get people that, you know, all they see are Hollywood movies. And if you can get a chance to introduce them into some indie films, whether it be through Sundance or things like that, uh, typically they're, it, they're, it's like, wow, that's great. You know, there's this whole other market of, of filmmaking that's raw, that, that's straightforward, that's, you know, not all the fluff, uh, you know, that come. And so with that, in the indie games, uh, there's not, you know, at least here from Gameland Games, I don't put out these huge boxes that are just a bunch of fluff where you open up the box and I've sold you a bunch of airspace and I've got a tiny little uh, spot in the, you know, a little cutout in the center of the box that holds a deck of cards and the box is 12 by 12 inches, right? And so that's all the fluff that you get, you know, from these bigger box companies. Not all the time, okay, but, but I'm over-exaggerating. But in the indie games, you get, a, you get a lot. You get stuff that's just straightforward and you get a lot for your money through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'll attest to that. When I've opened the uh, Dungeon Heroes, it's hard to get it closed again. There's so much <laughs> in that box. <laughs> so, so yeah, a lot of people may not remember Dungeon Heroes because they've been paying so much attention to tiny, epic uh, games, but you designed that one a couple years ago also, and it also supports Altair games. Do you guys play Solitaire much? Uh, you know, I do. Um, not, I mean, I don't know, you know, but I don't know what it's, it's comparable but to other people, but I play every once in a while. Okay. Yeah, and I do. I do as well. It's certainly not my main mode of play, but uh, I, I do enjoy a, a solitaire game. I have a couple that I keep on my shelf specifically for uh, for solitaire play, like uh, Raymond Priest's Friday, and I actually like the game K2 as solitaire play. Those are kind of my two go-tos. Okay, I haven't played K2 yet, but I've heard about that one over and over. Okay. Um... Why don't you go ahead and tell me more about Gameland Games before we forget? Because it isn't just tiny epic games. Well, Gameland Games started a, a few years back. My my wife and I founded this company, and uh, you know, and it's just uh, we're gamers. I'm like I said, I've, I've grown up as a gamer my whole life, um, and so that's kind of always what I got in my mind when I'm when I'm bored, when I'm not you know working a, a normal nine to five, and that's all I'm thinking about are games and. And so I wanted to try my hand at, at putting some games out there, you know, and, and getting some ideas out there. And just I, I saw that the uh, industry of board gaming uh, was opening up and, and that this golden age was starting and that, you know, any time an industry uh, booms like gaming, there's opportunities there for, for people to to try to make, a, you know, something, uh, you know, in that business. And 
and so that's what you know I did. I set out to to make awesome games for awesome gamers, and and I'm really uh, strict and, and nitpicky about making sure the games are are going to be intriguing and they're going to be avant-garde and make you kind of think outside the box and have to kind of stretch your your you know strategy muscle a little bit and i want the games to be you know have a little extra meat on the bone um and so we've put out uh dungeon heroes uh fantasy which is sold out now dungeon heroes has done fantastic um and and people have been asking about a a reprint and a second run on it and i I haven't quite made a, a decision on that but um, it's sold out. Uh, Fantasy Frontier has a hundred copies left, uh, and then it's sold out. So I'm I'm about sold out of that one. Uh, and then we're into the Tiny Epic series. I'm a real young company, uh, mm-hmm. so the, the Tiny Epic series is really uh, Gamelin Games' calling card to the industry. Uh, Dungeon Heroes and Fantasy Frontier were were great, but uh, nothing like the success and and just support that has. Uh, come together with the tiny epic games uh and you know we always obviously tiny epic is uh it's so fun to just attach that to other words and so we always talk about the tiny epic community that has come together uh and supported the the three different kickstarters that we've run in this series and they've all uh just been met with tremendous support and tremendous success uh just showing that there really is uh, a spot uh you know there really is a need for what the tiny epic games bring so as as the publisher, you know, and, and kind of the one-man band that, that runs the business end of Gamelin Games, uh, I'm really focused on, on giving backers more of what they want and, and, you know, putting more love and time and attention into refining and making tiny epic games. Okay. Yeah, if you do end up publishing uh, Dungeon Heroes again, I would love to see uh, new character types, new monsters. Yeah, I've got some good ideas for it too. I've really, I've already got a fleshed out expansion for it that that does some nice things. But I would feel bad if I tell you all of these nice things yeah. and then I don't publish the game, uh, the expansion, and you're like, what? What about all those great ideas? So I think I'm just going to keep it under the rug. Okay, I was hoping when you did the the wooden figures after that, that other Kickstarter, that you'd have rules for those. Yeah. <laughs> And some of that has been crossed over into the expansion idea. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So all your games so far have been pretty small, but that you're not focused on small games, are you? You're also going to look at big games, or right now you're just thinking, oh, let's stay with small? Well, you know, I have some, some really great games that come in larger boxes uh, that fill the box nicely. Um, and you know, so I've, I've got some in the works right now that, that I'm uh, developing and, and uh, progressing um, so we'll see how that goes. You know, I, I've got some really neat options, and, and the future is wide open. Uh, like I said, though, you know, I've got a lot of emphasis on the tiny Epic games right now, just because they are doing so well, which shows me that people want them. And uh, you know, if, if Scott and I can continue to put out great games that, that people want in this series, uh, I think we're missing the door for that. And we have so much fun doing it, too. <laughs> it's, it's such a fun playground, the whole Tiny Epic series to play. I mean, it's it's a great experience, like, inside and out. Yeah, I agree. It's absolutely amazing. But without necessarily telling me what themes you want to cover next, can you tell me what uh, mechanics you want to cover next in the Tiny Epic games? Everything. 
part of you know part of what scott and i have discussed is that the tiny epic games because of their approachability because of their size uh and because um of their price point uh they really function as a a wonderful gateway game And, and i've already had a lot of testimonies come in from gamers that have tiny epic kingdoms that have used it to introduce non gamers into more serious gaming where they can see and familiarize themselves with mechanics that they may see in bigger games, but they can do it in this short little time frame that is, uh, you know, of a tiny epic game. Uh, and it's been a wonderful gateway tool that way. And so, and Scott and I have recognized that from the beginning. And so with that in mind, uh, industry willing, you know, so long as, as gamers keep coming back for more tiny epic games, then we would eventually like to have an entire line no matter what kind of game you're into, if you like, uh, you know, if you like 4X games, if you like cooperative games, if you like dice-driven games, if you like uh, pick-up-and-deliver games, if you, you know, whatever, right? I'm not, you know, you can look to the Tiny Epic series and find a game that that matches your favorite mechanics, uh, no matter what you like. That's our, our end goal. So we've got a lot to do with the series. Okay. That sounds cool. Um, all right, so I don't really have anything else to ask you guys. Um, is there anything you guys want to, to mention before we end the call? I've been a chatterbox, so I've said all I've got to say, but Scott, if you've got anything, you can add to it. Well, just uh, if any of your listeners haven't, of course, check out our Kickstarter, uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies. It's up there right now. Uh, we have oh, 10 or 11 days left, I think it is right now. Yeah. So uh, come check it out. Come say hi. Uh, we have the most active community on all of Kickstarter. Uh, the comments are constantly going, and Michael and I are there constantly. So come say hi, because it's really a great group of people. All right. Yeah, that's right. And I'll include links to, to the Kickstarter. Make sure to do awesome. that. Well, great. Albert, thanks very much for your time. We appreciate it. Sorry about the, the feedback on the other line. Hopefully that doesn't uh, distract the listeners too much. Uh, but we certainly appreciate being on. Yep, thank you. Thank you guys for coming on and doing this on such short notice. And I should thank the uh, the listener that suggested I talk to you guys and brought us together. And maybe I will add your name on after the fact because I don't remember it right now. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, you're talking about Julius Besser, which is uh, thank you. our backers uh, that's been you know back in our tiny Epic Games uh, since the beginning and uh, really been a, an active communicator. And that just speaks to Scott's comment that the Tiny Epic Games on Kickstarter are not just, uh, it's not just about a game, it's really an event. It's a social event. Uh, and it's a 30 day event that people talk, uh, it's like a chat room. You can go there every day and there's going to be 300 new comments every single day. And, and it's a lot of fun to go through and, and talk to people, but that creates uh, a lot of uh, interaction. And Julius is, is one of the guys that interacts a lot, uh, and which you know eventually led to this interview. And uh, so that's great. It's just a testament to how awesome the Tiny Epic Games are. Cool. Okay. Well, th- thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Have a have a great evening. Hey, thanks. You too. All right. Thanks, Albert. Thank Alrighty. Alright, so that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Today's game is, as you've already heard, is Tiny Epic Galaxies. It was designed by Scott Elms and it will be published in 2015. 
There's a Kickstarter going on right now, currently live. It should be ending sometime next week. It currently has nine days to go, so it's going to end, I guess, on Friday, February 6th. So this game is basically a race to have the most powerful space empire before your opponents. It's designed for... Well, originally it was designed for two to four players. Now it's a currently a one to five player game. This game is... It's a small game, comes in a small box. You're basically getting a bunch of wooden bits, a bunch of custom dice, some player boards, AI boards, and a whole lot of cards. Here, let me let me give you more specific components. You're getting a rule book, seven custom dice with the different images for each of the different actions you could take. Uh, there's 20 wooden rocket ships, four in each color. So actually there's five players. There's a Five circle columns, um, five hex columns, five cubes. These are used to keep track of the different resources and things on your player mat. There's six oversized cards for the different player player boards, basically, and one control card, which kind of shows you the different options and stuff like that and helps you manage the dice as you're rolling them. And then 48 poker-sized cards, mainly the planets, and 12 secret missions. That's what the base game contains. Or maybe contained, because now it all, you also need to add the solitaire player mats um, for the AIs and some other stuff that has been unlocked. Anyway, let me let me tell you how this game plays. Michael Cole did give me the solo rules, and I have played that a few times to try it out, and I had a lot of fun with that. Okay, so this game is it's very much a dice rolling game. You're going to have... You're going to roll a number of dice, depending on how powerful you are. You start at four dice, you can go as as high as seven dice you roll. And when you roll them, th the result will determine what actions you could take. There's six different actions, one per face of the die. So let me let me describe the game pretty quickly. You have a player mat, which you keep track of your current strength level, plus how much energy and culture you have reserved, or built up. And then there there's about 36 different planet cards available. You're always going to have four out that are currently available by and there's going to be in a draw deck on the on your player board you're going to place a couple of rocket ships you have rocket ships that you could use to travel to the different planets that are out there that you're trying to discover and you have some markers to keep track of your culture your energy and your current level the way the game works basically you're going to roll the dice and whatever roll results you get will determine what actions you could take there's six different actions um let me tell you what they are. The first one is to move your ship. You can move it from wherever it's at to an, a different planet. You could collect energy. Some planets give you energy that you could harvest from that planet. So if you roll it that face of the die, you could collect energy from one energy per ship that you have at a planet that gives energy. Another phase gives you culture. Works the same way. Some planets just give you culture. So if you're at that planet, you'll gather some culture resources. Uh, another phase... Another face of the die. Um, when you visit, you can visit different planets to try and colonize them. And there's a colonization track. And basically, the more valuable the planet is, the longer it's going to take to colonize it. Another face of the die lets you move along on that colonization track. Actually, two phases do that because there's two different types of planets you can colonize. One you colonize through diplomacy, and the other one you colonize through economy. <laughs> In the last phase of the die, it lets you take an action from any of the planets you control. These different actions let you do different things, and 
they they sort of interact with each other. Some actions let you advance farther on a certain track, a certain type of track. Some may give you bonus culture. Some let you lock dice and do different things. So the the, the game sounds pretty straightforward right there. Now, one thing to, to give more strategy is after you roll the dice, you're welcome to roll them one time for free. If you don't like the results, you could use any dice you want at that point and re-roll the rest. After that point, if you want to re-roll again, you can, but you have to spend energy points. Each time you spend an energy, you could re-roll any number of dice. So in this game, you end up trying to figure out the best strategy for all the different dice you have, how to use them most effectively to, to gain planets or gain resources and and whatnot. So in the no normal multiplayer game, you're basically racing with each other to conquer the different planets. If there's two people at a planet um, trying to colonize it, whoever reaches the end of colonization track first gets that planet. When somebody takes a planet, that one is replaced, and all the ships that were on that planet come back to the uh, to the owner's home planet. So you're basically racing to get the most planets, or build up your also another way you could get one. Get, getting these planets will give you victory points. Your goal is to be the first ones with 21 victory points. There's another way to get victory points, so which is you could uh, build up your empire. Um, the the action of your base starting planet, the one that that's your player card, is to spend resources, either energy or culture, to to become more powerful. And as you progress on the track, you either gain more dice you could roll in the following turns, or extra spaceships, or you could also and you also gain some victory points. So as you're playing, there's definitely a lot of tactical choices about what you want to do with each of the dice each turn. The and it's a lot of fun. It's very interactive. So now what the solo game does is it, it bring, gives you an AI to play against instead of a human. Um, obviously, the humans are going to be better at making choices than any AI. So the way this AI works is when the opponent goes, he's going to roll dice and always just take the action if it's available. Um, it's very straightforward. And well, because he is more limited that way, he tends to collect, he also collects resources a lot faster and can go up and track faster. And when he rolls a six, instead of trying to decide what action to take, he has an aggressive action, which are really annoying, where they lock your spaceship or your dice for a whole turn. Okay, so I played the game a few times, probably about like six or so times against the AI, and I had fun with it. Every game felt very different. It depends on a lot on which planets are available to take and what what you're rolling. So the AI is interesting. It actually can play pretty well. I think what I'm playing is the basic AI, and after the first few games, I started beating it pretty consistently once I figured out my strategy. There are five different AIs, and they're apparently each going to be harder than the previous ones. I didn't get to see what those are like. Um, I noticed you could probably also just tweak the AI by by start having it start stronger. The AI at the beginning rolls three dice. You could potentially just say he's going to start rolling four, which he's already closer to, to winning the game. You lose against the AI if it gets to 21 points. Or if it develops enough that um, it gets an auto victory against you. Basically, once it's developed past this having seven dice. So I like this game. I like the way the AI works. It's very simple. It's really, really quick to play the AI's turn. Um, just rolling the die and, and taking actions based on the result. There is logic into the the way the AI puts puts spaceships on the different planets. And I found that as I'm playing solo. I'm making strategies based on what planets it's probably going to go to next. 
Each game probably lasts, I'd say, 10 or 15 minutes. I didn't really time it, but they're really quick. Now, the way I played the game is using the print-and-play files that are available, which uh, at first I wasn't going to download them and print them. I was going to do a different game for this show because I was thinking, you know, I don't really have time right now to do that. But And somebody, um, actually, Julius was going to offer to do that. But then I, I looked at the print-and-play files and, oh, wow, they're, they're really simple to print out. There's only like five pages, I think, you need total. And the cards are easy to cut out, so I did that. I just printed on black and white paper and stuck them in sleeves along with some magic cards or something like that. And uh, it's it really easy to print, so it's definitely worth trying to print it out. Unfortunately, the solo rules are not available to, to test for your own. You have to try out the multiplayer game. There's a sheet that you can print out that's basically you, you want to print on a sticker sheet and stick the, the die faces on your dice. I ended up not bothering to do that and just used 1 through 6. And when I looked at the um, control card, there's a six icons in order, and I just started the number, the top one's number one, second one's number two, and so on. And that worked really easily, and after a couple games, I mean, it's really familiar, and I know what, you know, that I need a two or, or a four all the time, and I know what numbers I'm looking for. So I found it worked really easily. Definitely easy game to test and try and find out if you like it yourself or not. All right, so that is Tiny Epic Galaxies. Hope you enjoyed this, and you'll probably hear from me in a couple weeks. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.